Welcome to the Occupy Freedom Podcast, where we're diving deep into all things kingdom. Your life is not a mistake. You were created for this moment in history to advance the kingdom and govern the earth from a heavenly perspective. Let's join our hosts, Justin and Rihanna Arfston. So welcome back to the second installment. Installment. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were thinking the same word there. Of the uh, of the art of dying. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds like an infomercial, like three easy payments of right? $59.99. <laughs> if you want to die, you can die too so for three funny. easy installments. The, the, the other night we were watching this, this uh, it was like the Home Shopping Network. I don't even know how we I think our entire family that. was totally like enamored it by was, it. It was crazy because there was just some item on there. Uh, it, just six easy payments of like $1.25. dollar twenty five. And, and our son Matthew was it like, was, "It was a dish drying mat for twenty dollars," right. and they're like, "You could either pay nineteen ninety nine or three easy installments." So <laughs> our son is like, "Who would pay installments on a dish drying mat for twenty dollars?" Like, you have no idea what people are capable of, there, son. Uh, so funny. So you too can learn the art of dying with three easy installments. <laughs> No, I want to start our podcast off, our conversation off today. We're just going to pick up where we left off, what it means to die, what death does not mean versus what does it actually mean to die. And I, we ended the last conversation with this letter from Paul to the Philippians. And I just want to reread it because it's so powerful and it summarizes everything that Mm -hmm. we're just rolling around and rambling on about on this podcast. (laughs) I do feel like sometimes like we ramble and just move around, but I think this summarizes it so well. So Philippians three, starting at verse five, Paul says, I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. So apparently he was the greatest. (laughs) He says, I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the messianic believers with religious zeal. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I now... I've now forsaken them, and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now, so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embracing him as Lord in all of his greatness. My passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. Mm. Amen. I love that so much. Paul says, I admit that yeah, I I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I am pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. 
However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I have fastened my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize following one path with one passion. Now, I will say, you know, in one of our last episodes, we talked about kind of what we're sensing for this season and some of the vision. And and I do believe we are living out verse 15, that it says, if anyone is not yet gripped by the desires to passionately pursue God and let go of their flesh and to die, that God will reveal it to you. (laughs) And in this hour, so many people are wrestling. So many people are losing their faith. So many people are walking away from the things that they've known because they are confronted with that choice. Will you live or will you die and then live truly? And it is hard for us because we have not taught this theology as a normal way of accessing life. Death to us seems very foreign and we sort of run in the opposite direction. And I think it's a good place to just remember, you know, what we kind of talked about on the last episode. Um, But just to remember that the basic blockage to this death and understanding the suffering and death is fear. The basic blockage to death is fear. Fear that our own needs will not be met. Fear that we won't be seen or secure or loved or accepted or heard or known. Fear that our gifts will never be used, which causes us then to focus on self-fulfillment instead of what the real commandments of God are, which is to love God and love others. And so this can be a very risky and vulnerable thing to do. But as we continue our conversation, we even learn from Paul's life here that if I join Christ in his sufferings and his death, I will then live in that resurrection life. And that is what my pursuit is. And that pursuit comes from a a mature life and a mature attitude of who you are in Christ. We have to throw off those childish, fleshy goals and we have to learn how to dig deep and to die so that we can live. So one of the things I'd like to share, and I I hope this is helpful, but just share some of the stories of death over our life. Mm -hmm. Um, Just some, a little more specific examples of that. I I think that when, when I hear people talk about, you know, here's what I did, here's Mm -hmm. the choices that we Mm -hmm. made, whatever, it's like, you know, it it encourages me to be like, oh gosh, Mm -hmm. that was crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, you came all the way through that. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> matter um, of fact, one of one of the things I say often to people that I mentor or counsel, because they'll say, well, how did you how did you get this fruit in your life? How do you do this? How do you do that? Right. How, how come your kids are this way or how come your your life is this way or your finances or your whatever? And I will always say wherever you see life in me, death has definitely preceded it. Right. Guaranteed. Hands down. There is nothing in my life that is producing fruit today where I have not had to get low and die a painful death to something else that was in the way of it. Right. Guaranteed. Well, just, you know, John 12, 24. Truly, truly, there's two truly's there. True, two. There's two truly's. Then you know it's truly. (laughs) I didn't stutter. It is truly, truly. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it will remain alone but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Again, fruit, 
fruit. Did I say fruit? <laughs> Much fruit. <laughs> Much fruit. You gotta die to that. Th- <laughs> I gotta die to the th- in my life, whatever the th- is. Oh boy. So the the story I want to share with you is actually so this was like 2005, I think 2005. Uh, so it was several years ago now. Just a couple. We were attending this uh, this church and. Uh, there was a guest speaker, so happened to be Tommy Zito, that yeah, we've taught, yeah. referenced multiple mm-hmm. times. Um, but he came in for a week or so and and did some what we would call revival services. And yeah. there was a very powerful Holy Spirit meeting. So yeah. many, mm-hmm. so many things that happened. You know, happened. Then there was training and yeah, just definitely so, so much. A, a mark on your life. You know, those mm-hmm. moments when you're like, God marked my life that yep, week. Absolutely. Um, through this, um, at that particular time, he had this school of ministry uh, that people were going to, and and not so much me, but I think Rihanna, you were like. I think the Lord, in fact, I heard the Lord call me to this. I, I feel like this is what we're mm-hmm. supposed to do. And um, we've mentioned that he's in South Florida. And so this particular school was in South Beach. Like, how is that going to work? Just logically thinking through it. And obviously that meant that, you know, at that point we were married um, and we had two children. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, I guess we're moving to South Beach. I guess yeah. we're going to move to but our house. We called the real owner. Yeah, we went through and the whole like, process. Right, I started Lord, looking for employment and mm-hmm. things because, again, at that point, you know, Rihanna was going to plug into that, and I said, "Okay, you know, Lord, or uh, honey, I trust you if you feel like the Lord." And is really, doing this, looking you know? back, what it was was the Lord that was a call to ministry. The it, Lord was right. calling us to ministry. Now, little did we know. I mean, you know, when you're you're young and just passionate about God, you're like, "Sweet, let's just go. We're going to the first thing that seems applicable, and <laughs> right. uh, we're doing it." You know, but realistically he was calling us into ministry which we would see unfold over the next several years of life but yeah but we we, again we went through uh the the, you know this process of Mm -hmm. like getting ready to move move down and and then uh something interesting happened we had a this gal she happened to be um, the wife of the senior pastor. She came to us um, a little, you know, timid. I guess of saying, "Well, no, she was crying because she, she didn't want <laughs> maybe a lot timid. She didn't want to deliver the message. She was very upset. Right. So she came to us and said, "The Lord sp- spoke very clearly to me that you are not supposed to go to the school of ministry. You are not supposed to move down to Florida." And then, and she was nervous because. She had known that none of one the preparations and really the excitement that goes around like, okay, mm-hmm. we're following the Lord mm-hmm. and we're just running mm-hmm. after this thing. Mm-hmm. And by the way, there were other people that were a part of the church at that point that were going as well. Like we weren't the only ones, like there's some others. So there's like a little bit of buzz around it mm-hmm. and some excitement. And she's like, but the Lord came to me and said that you, you are not yeah, supposed you to go. Yeah, specifically were not supposed to go. Yeah. Right, right. What we found out later, which was kind of interesting around that was the Lord asked actually also spoke to at that point he was the youth pastor and basically said to him they, they had met in the hallway at one point and and basically said you know if you don't tell him I will mm-hmm. and that was like all that needed to be mm-hmm. said yeah so he confirmed that message with not one but two members of the staff on two separate occasions and then they came together and talked about it and were like, we need to let them know that this is what the Lord. So in God's great mercy, he -hmm. knew that we were on fire to do whatever he was calling us to do. But we were very childlike in our faith and we thought, okay, call the ministry. We're packing up. We're moving. We're bringing everybody down to Florida, (laughs) quitting the jobs, doing everything, you know. And then all of a sudden it was like, I'm sorry, but the Lord says you're not supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And... 
How did you respond to that? What was your... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was like, you know, just an emotional roller coaster of, you know, first the idea of moving down there was like, okay, trying to get your head around that. Okay, let's let's do this yeah, thing, you yeah. know? And then and then it was like, okay, we're not. And then the kind of the re, you know, kind of yep. re-emotional mm-hmm. roller coaster yep. of, okay, I guess we're not going now. And yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and all of that. So Yeah, I remember feeling like I didn't feel sad or disappointed. It was like, oh, okay, God's got my back. Right. You know, it was one of the most vivid marking points of my life to realize that if I jump and live out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that God will make the crooked places straight. He will mm-hmm. He will straighten the path for me if I just lean on him. I jumped because I thought this is what God, yeah, this is what this is what God is calling us to in this great. I mean, it changes our entire life. That's weird. But I want him more than I want all the stuff, right? right. The, the beautiful home that we had built just a couple years earlier, brand new home on the golf course and your corporate job that you were climbing that scale and everything was just beautiful and perfect and packaged. And it was like, no, I want the Lord. I want the Lord. We're just going to do it. I mean, we have no idea what this means, but we're going to do it. And then when we got the message of, oh, you missed it just a little bit. I'm calling you to ministry and you'll find that out over the years, but I'm not asking you to uproot and move. So don't mm-hmm. do that. But because we were open to following what the Lord wanted, I believe we were open to hearing and receiving that message. Like, oh, we need to tweak this. This is not exactly, you know, we missed it a little bit. And he's just making that crooked place straight for us. Absolutely. So, so like that childlike faith mm-hmm. of following the yeah. Lord. And and it's interesting because you look back on it and realize that our trajectory changed. Yep. It didn't change yep. the way that we thought it was going to in the moment. Yeah. You know, right. like geographically right. changing the state that we're a resident of. But it marked the walk 100%. that we had with the Lord 100%. We dove straight into that intimacy with him because it was like we met him in such an intimate way. And he was involved in life, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like, wow, there's so much more to life than just doing what we thought we're supposed to do. So we just began to lay everything before him and die to all the dreams that we had as a married couple in the kids and the house and whatever. And there was, we've done so many things in life that are so off the wall, quit jobs, switched careers, moved to foreign places, sold our home, moved churches when it's time to to go, started ministries. Like, I mean, none of it has ever made total sense. We've mm-hmm. walked into so many things that we're going, Lord, we know nothing about this. We don't know what we're doing. And and moments where I have felt literally like I was dying. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember there were times in my life when God was, was getting me free of the fear of rejection and abandonment and all the ways that I was holding on to control and manipulation to try to protect myself from people. And I remember being in my closet, just like gripping the, um, the overhangers, like, God, I feel like I'm dying. And it's like, you are dying. You have got to let <laughs> the go reason, of this yeah, The reason why you feel like you're dying <laughs> yes. is because you is are. It's because you're hanging on so tightly to the things that you think are protecting you and building your life so great. But I'm trying to get you to separate from these mentalities. You don't need these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, a, that's such a pivotal story in our life. That first kind of moment of we're jumping. And we're just going to die to everything that we thought. And then we'll die again to the things that we thought we were dying to, right? (laughs) Right. Like you just continue. And then it just continued to roll. I mean, so many things. It's interesting because uh, looking back on all of the different things that I feel like, you know, that we've died to, the different Mm -hmm. things, Mm -hmm. you're looking back on them, you know, like in the moment, 
they seemed like your mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, oh my gosh, but... it feels so big when you <laughs> so are in front of big. it. So I t- big. I tell our kids this all the time, especially our teenagers. You know, if you've been raising teenagers, or you have raised teenagers, or you have yet to raise a teenager you will find yourself in these moments of, I know it feels big right now because I've been there when that mountain is like, whoa, this thing is huge. Mm-hmm. But you will, there will come a time. And I remember our spiritual father telling me this time and time again when I was in the midst of dying to some pretty heavy stuff. He's like, it feels big right now, but it's not that big. I promise you, mm-hmm. you're going to come, you're going to come a few years out of it and look back and be like, well, that was not that big, but right. it feels big. Feels so big just have patience in it, you know. Yep, like that saying, you know, hey, you're making mountains out of molehills. <laughs> right, right, right. And, we, and do. we do. We have to give ourselves grace to remember that what we know in the physical realm wars with what we know in the spirit realm. We live in a gap space between what is versus what should be. We were created for eternity, yet we live a temporal life here on earth. So we wrestle with death. Why does it have to end Well, we wouldn't think that way if we weren't made for eternity. If we were just evolved from blobbish nothing, it wouldn't bother us that we have an end to life. Mm -hmm. But the reason why we wrestle with death is because we were created for an eternal wholeness that was, um, you know, taken from us at birth. We were born into a sinful place that robs us of all the things that we were created for. But the beauty is, is that Jesus came to fill the gap space for us in the earth so that we could live in heaven on earth through the access panel of death letting go of what is here and then taste just sort of a little bit of what we will live in for eternity Um, my encouragement to all all of you that are listening is um, when there's a a life direction Mm -hmm. um, I have you know different people that I talk to it's like hey I feel like there's this the Lord has me on a new path or potentially Mm -hmm. a new path Mm -hmm. and I want to do this thing but I want to make sure that I'm in as well. I want to make sure that whatever. What if I get it wrong? What if I choose the wrong thing? Right, right. And there's certain things that I'd like to know beforehand, (laughs) you know, and and it's interesting. I'd like to eat from the tree of knowledge first (laughs) before I make a devoted decision to follow the Lord, right? right? I mean, come on. We're always in the garden having the two trees looking at us like, what are we going to choose? You got it. You got it. (laughs) But I want to encourage you guys that. When, when life throws us, not only changes, but when we see, hey, I think we're coming up on a shift in life, it really boils down to trust. Do we trust the Lord? Mm-hmm. Should I do this or should I do that? Well, do you trust the Lord? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's really what it boils down to. And if you trust the Lord, oftentimes, mm-hmm. if it is supposed to be this versus that, yeah. the, the Lord will say, no, no, we're going to go back over here. Right. And we have to trust that if we make a decision you know, after praying into it and seeking the Lord on it and be like, okay, I I feel like I'm still going to do this thing. I'm going to make this move. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make this job change. I'm going to make this change in my life. That if it really truly wasn't what the Lord would have us do, that we trust that he will make that path straight, that he will bring us back to yeah. lead us to where he wants us to be, mm-hmm. to the people that we are called mm-hmm. to, to the um, community that we're called to, to the ministry, to the assignments that we're supposed to be on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, what you're essentially describing here is a life of faith, right? I mean, if we're going to talk about at the beginning, we kind of um, reiterated that the basic blockage of death is fear and what we're afraid of not being met, then we have to understand that faith is the key 
to death and to life after death, sanctification and salvation. Um, in Romans 1.17, it says that the just shall live by faith. And if we live by faith and we live through death, then faith is the key to that death. In Hebrews 11.6, it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God because our faith is what brings us to him. You know, in that list of people in Hebrews 11, it kind of gives us this picture of what a life of faith and dying to our own striving looks like. You know, Abel's offering he gave by faith. You know, faith that God would provide for him and prosper him if he gave him his best. Uh, Noah obeyed by faith the warning that God gave him and did what God told him to do. Even though he didn't know the outcome, he couldn't see what was going on. He trusted what God warned him and asked him to do and obeyed by faith. And he had faith that God would provide for every need for his family and uh, protect him. You know, we look at the life of Abraham. Abraham, it says that he left by faith all that he knew every comfort that he had to walk with God because he believed in the nature and character of who God was. And he had faith that God would provide for his needs in an unknown place. And then finally, I look at like Sarah, Hebrews eleven eleven says that she anchored her faith in the one who made the promise and tapped into his faithfulness that way. And so oftentimes we can look at the promise and get attached to the promise. Our hope is in the promise. There's even songs about this, right? The hope is the promises that God gives us. Well, technically, by faith, we live anchored in the one who makes the promise so that we're not looking at the promise, what it's supposed to look like, when it's supposed to come, and how it's supposed to come, thus kind of getting into the striving mentality. But we put our faith in who God is, knowing that the promise is going to come his way, his timing, and what's best for us. So I would say, you know, for those who are thinking about deconstructing your faith, this movement of deconstructing your faith, if faith is a doorway to life through death, I wouldn't suggest deconstructing faith. (laughs) I would say deconstruct your fear. If fear is the blockage to that death, to the flesh, so that you can truly live, deconstruct that. Deconstruct what you are afraid of. What are you fearful of that will not be met in your life if you just let go? don't get stuck trying to build a worldly legacy and forsake the eternal legacy that you're built for by clinging to life and needs being met. Finally, in Hebrews eleven thirteen, it says that all of these people that are listed here that lived by faith, they lived their lives on earth as those who belong to another realm. I love that because it, that is essentially what living by faith is, is remembering that you don't belong to this world that you belong to another place and you live on a different set of standards and a different set of thinking. And so from that place is where we need to anchor ourselves and live by faith. You're listening to the Occupy Freedom Podcast, diving deep into all things kingdom. We're so glad you're here. Connect with us deeper at Occupy-Freedom.com. Now back to the show with Justin and Rihanna. Right, so something that's kind of been burning in my mind as we're talking about this, and so I'm sure it is kind of running through other people's minds, is, you know, we keep talking a lot about flesh and self. Mm-hmm. And the concept that the art of dying is about dying to the flesh, is about putting away the flesh, is about dying to self. 
And we've given some examples of what that could be in life, like some of our own personal testimonies, and also just in general, just some thoughts on the topic. But I would love for us to define from scripture, what, what is the flesh? When we talk about this term, you know, what does that even mean? Um, and I think the best way for us to do that is to search what the scriptures say. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so let's take a look at Galatians chapter 5. And oftentimes we go straight to the fruit of the spirit, which is life, right? We're going to talk about life in the next conversation, but we're still talking about death right now. What precedes that list of the fruit of the spirit is the works of the flesh. So I'm actually going to start in verse uh, chapter 5 in Galatians, verse 19. Mm-hmm. Paul says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. So then he sort of caps it off with like, and anything else you can think of that would fit into these categories, or even like these categories, right? This is not an exhaustive list. Then he continues on and says, of which I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Come on. The kingdom of God being life. Life, right? The works of the flesh are death. But when you die to the works of the flesh, it produces life. And then he goes on to list all the fruit of the spirit, right. which is what life is. And and if you don't, yeah. you don't, right? <laughs> right. There's really not a whole lot of guesswork. You do, then you do. And if you don't, you don't. <laughs> In the Passion Translation, it's, uh, you know, a little maybe more updated language. But yeah. in 19, it says the cravings of self-life okay. are obvious. Mm-hmm. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, (laughs) angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, (laughs) being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild party, and here it is again, and all other similar behavior. I love love that. And anything that would fit into any of those categories. (laughs) Like I love when sometimes people are like, well, that's not listed in the Bible. Well, maybe not technically, but the Bible is definitely a language of the nature of things and the essence of things. And so there are specific things that maybe it doesn't say don't do this but it definitely refers to the behavior as such absolutely what i like about that is you know sometimes we talk about grace and it's like Mm -hmm. kind of grace covers all and not speaking against that because it's scriptural but using grace so that you get to do what you want right using the freight the uh grace to satisfy your flesh right right to serve the flesh and all of the lusts and desires of the flesh whatever however it may fit into this list of things and yes he's saying if you use your freedom to do that which you can but if you do that you don't inherit life then you don't actually inherit the life of the kingdom that christ left for you so there is this dichotomy of saying Sure, you can be a believer. You can be saved. So when when Peter got up in Acts chapter 2 and he says that Jesus was both Christ and Lord, 
He was mm-hmm. making a distinction that Jesus is both Savior and Lord, and you have a choice to make. There's a lot of people that say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I've placed my faith and trust in him for eternity, but I still live my life the way I want to. He's not the Lord of my life. He's not the God of the in-between. He might be the God of the beginning. I believe he created me, and he's the God of my end. I believe I'll spend eternity with him. But the in-between is not his, it's mine. So good. And the quality of life that we live is determined by those choices we make to either serve the flesh or die to the flesh with the freedom that we've been given in salvation. And we think, you know, after this, it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And we think about how many people out there are spinning because they are maybe saved, but they they haven't made Christ the Lord of their life. And they're wondering, like, why do I not experience joy? Right. Why? Why do I, I not have, no have any self control? Mm-hmm. I have no peace, and there's just we spinning, have no patience. Spinning, right? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah, that's and, true. And the scripture lays out exactly why. It's yeah. because let's go back up yep. to verse nineteen. Right. Mm-hmm. Am mm-hmm. I operating any of the works of the flesh? Because right. it's going to steal right. the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. So essentially, what Paul is saying is, great. Here's the fruit of your life in the spirit. You were born of the spirit. Now you have to live that way. And if you die to all of these works of the flesh that I'm going to list for you, you can have the fruit of the Spirit. So that's why people say, I don't pray for patience. Because we all know what happens when we say, (laughs) God, give me patience, right? You want the fruit of patience. He's going to give you opportunities to die to your opinions, to your right to be seen, to be heard, your right to have it your way. He's going to cause you to have an invitation to get low if you want to live in that life realm. So let's kind of journey into that for a second, because when we look at our culture today, it's a different culture than it was 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 20 years ago, even. We think of our kids and we have five year gap between our first two girls and they even grew up in different uh, dynamics of culture. Right. Right. So we have to take these scriptures and we have to somehow look at where we live today and what that would mean for us. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about maybe the political or social climate right now. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody is very hung up on how you look at politics, who you vote for, who you agree with, what opinions you agree with and or fighting for certain rights for social culture, social justice and whether or not we can unify on our opinions of it. But we look back at this list of the works of the flesh and which one stands out to you? Angry quarrels. Right. Being in love with your own opinions. I mean, how many times do we sit around a table or over Facebook with one another? And instead of unifying in life and in spirit, we argue about whose opinions are right on vaccinations and masks, mask mandates and politics and who is in office and whether or not, you know what I mean? Like we let that become the idol rather than conversations about the kingdom and about what God is doing in the earth and about what we sense in the season and about how we're partnering with the Lord. We allow our favoritism to how we see things and how we have opinions to be what we serve. That's a work of the flesh. Right. You know, maybe a a measuring stick, a question that you can ask yourself, if you're more fired up about any of these current topics, like a couple of things that sure. Rihanna just mentioned. Yeah, social or political, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. If you if, if you get more fired up about that than being fired up about the Lord. Yeah. Like, there, you know, there's a key yeah. for you right there. Mm-hmm. If you, <laughs> exactly, I think like if people burned with half as much passion about the gospel and about 
preaching the gospel to the lost and reaching out with the love of God to those around them as they do talking about political and social issues right now, we'd have a pretty dynamic body of Christ. Let's look at maybe sexual culture, Mm -hmm. relational culture, relationships. We look at the works of the flesh. I don't do ships. (laughs) (laughs) As As in in relationships. relationships. (laughs) If you have kids and you have seen Lego Batman, you will know what we're referencing. I don't do ships. (laughs) Sorry. So relationships or sexual culture, right? Our culture really values sexual freedom. It makes us feel like we're in charge of ourselves, that we are the masters of our body, And that we get to decide how we find pleasure and happiness in ourselves, in relationships. So therefore, the divorce rate is skyrocketed. It's huge. In the church, out of the church, it doesn't matter, right? Because we have this selfish desire to have our needs met. And if we're going all the way back to the beginning of what we've been talking about, we lack the faith in God to meet our needs. Therefore, when things are not going and not feeling good for us, we go a different direction. And so sexual freedom is a huge value in our culture and also relational freedom, being able to choose when you want in and out of relationships and how long you want to tolerate. Because if, if you're married and you're listening to this, you know that marriage is a way that God sanctifies us. We find out a lot about ourselves through being married to someone, especially of an opposite personality or a different way of doing things in life. Even as you just think about relationships as a whole, right? Resentment when others are favored. Wow. Yeah. So anytime you like, yeah. uh, we have we have a friend, a family member, or whatever, and it's like, why did that all work out for them and it doesn't work out for me? And right. that envy mm-hmm. creeps into your heart. That's a work of the yeah. flesh. Yep. Yep. Or how about manipulating others? This was me. I was a huge manipulator because I had a lot of fear. I grew up in a lot of bondage. And so to control my life and to make sure that things went away that did not make me feel insecure or unsafe, I manipulated. And so manipulation is a work of the flesh. Therefore, yeah, you can build life, but it's not real life. It's bondage when you manipulate your way into safety or security. Um, Again... When we're not talking about these things in the church and saying, listen, there is a theology of dying to the natural lusts of the flesh. And we can't just let it kind of go where it wants to go and follow it there and just have a nice, smooth sailing, happy life because it doesn't produce life. It produces challenges because then you read all the statistics of the challenges that people have after they have been on pornography for years, right? Or you know, drinking binges and, you know, all the things that we consider legal and just fine, mm-hmm. but they produce death in people. Yeah. I I, th- I think, you know, when we look at these works of the flesh, like as you identify those, here, here's my word of encouragement for all of these. If you identify with any of these, mm. repent. But repentance isn't just, apo- you know, like apologizing. Realistically, repenting is stopping and then turning the opposite direction and running. Mm-hmm. So, and it's returning to God. It's returning, returning. to God, right. That's it's a, not just a turning, it's a returning. returning. It's a like, yeah, very, it's very a like no, I, I see that my flesh wants this, but it's a no. Right. This has got to go. Lord, I want you. And, and it really what we need to do is really create a hatred for the yes. works of the flesh. Yes. Yes. Because we already know mm-hmm. what the fruit mm-hmm. of the works of the flesh is. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, the word says, through. cling to what is good. Hate evil, cling to what is good. Why does, why does the word tell us to hate evil? Because anything that is a work of the flesh is clearly goes against the will of God for your life. In anything that wars against the will of God for your life, you should hate it. You should absolutely hate it. Because when we don't have a complete disgust and hate for the evil that's constantly lurking around, then we make excuses for it. Well, this is just the way I am. It's just how I feel. I can't help it. I tell my worldview students, I teach a worldview class in high school, and I tell them the number one trick of the enemy is to get you to believe that you are powerless, that you have no choices. It's what mm -hmm. he did in the garden. Did God right. really say that? Is that really true? Can you really Fair trust question. him? Yep. So then they go along and then God goes, what'd you do? Well, I, I couldn't help it. The enemy did this and I just had to. And then, oh, the woman gave it to me. What was I supposed to do? Right? right. It's this feeling of like, I was powerless to choose. Right. So this, this a tactic of the enemy to make you believe that you are powerless to make a choice, to return to him and, re and turn away mm -hmm. from something that is lurking at your door, that starts with hating it and knowing that the assignment it has for you is destruction and death. Mm -hmm. So therefore, when you look at pornography, you should hate it. It should make you writhe with anger toward the, the war that it's waging against your soul. Addictions, even the simple things that Paul says, like manipulation, that should make you fume with hatred toward it. You should hate quarrels and tantrums and idolatry. We should hate these things with a holy hate, with a holy anger toward the enemy that is waging war against the will of God in our lives. And if we can get to this point, we have begun the process of dying. Right. You know, even, you know, <clears throat> uncontrolled addictions. Oftentimes we think of it as, oh, you're talking like alcohol or drugs. No, I Not think it's more than that, yeah. right? Anything that you're addicted to that you mm -hmm. can't say no mm -hmm. to. I mean, that, I mean, that's a broad brush, right? How about social media? Sure. How yeah. about, gosh, think about all the things that capture our, our well, let's, time. Even, even in the medical world addicted to medications, addicted right. to the pursuit of wellness, okay? So if we pause for a second and look at the idol of the medical world today, both natural and pharmaceutical, mm -hmm. because there is a problem with both, I don't necessarily disagree with either. I use natural medicine. I also have boundaries with natural medicine. I use Western medicine and I also have boundaries with Western medicine because I understand that there are good things mm -hmm. found in all things and there's also limitations that it has. If we set our pursuit in the pursuit of wellness in the physical realm, in the flesh, right? One of the works of the flesh that's listed is chasing after things instead of God. This is right. what is defined as idolatry, when you put anything before him. Well, if he is Jehovah Rapha, the healer, then he should be before all things when it comes to your wellness. Okay, I'm not saying we don't use medicine because we do. However, I have personally struggled with the pursuit of wellness, always chasing after the answers. What is wrong with me? What is going on? There's something wrong. I'm chasing, chasing, chasing. I do this one thing and it gets worse. And then it's like a whack-a-mole game, right? You hit the one and then the next thing pops up and then you're chasing after that. And then you're chasing after that. And oftentimes the doctors are like, oh, we don't have answers. Get on this medication. Or the natural doctors will say, you got to stop eating that and you got to start doing this. If we look at addictions, we could go across the realm even to things that are supposed to be good. Right. In pursuit of things that are good because we remove God from the equation and start putting our trust in striving to find answers for ourselves to meet those needs because we lack the faith 
that God will meet our needs. That not, is the basic not, issue. Not, you talked about like wellness, but even like the addiction to our bodies, you know, follow the conviction, <laughs> but we need to understand, are we medicating something that honestly we should be bringing to is the Lord? Is it meeting a need that God should be meeting because right. you lack the faith for God to meet your need in that area? Mm-hmm. It's a salvation issue. You go back to salvation. Salvation is the basic understanding that you need a savior, that you can't save yourself. The Lordship of Christ is a working out of that salvation, the faith to know that God can meet those needs. And sometimes we need therapy or people to counsel us and help us figure out why we lack the faith for God to meet a need in a certain area. This is where therapy can come in. This is where counseling can come in and help. This is where just a simple mentor in your life, maybe somebody that you respect as a spiritual mentor or somebody that can speak wisdom into your life. Because it's not a shameful, guilty thing that you have a hindrance there. It's just important for you to know that it's there and to know that it's hindering you from true life. And then from there, you can get to work if you have things that you're having trouble right. figuring out. Right. So so good. So like really, Paul, lists these things out so that you can identify, hey, is some of this resonate yeah. with me so that I right. know I now I've identified so that you know what to die to. Right. Right, because oftentimes we spin, like you said, thinking, wow, all this stuff's going wrong in my life. I don't have joy. I don't have peace. I have no hope. I have no self-control or discipline in my life. I have no uh, soundness of mind. Maybe your mental health is just deteriorated. I have no patience. I have no faithfulness to anything. I'm losing my faith. So from there, you can say, I got to figure out what I have not died to, right? what I have not been able to place my faith and trust in God to meet my needs because I have worked in the flesh. Got to figure that out. Right. And that's the mercy of God. It isn't about being full of shame and guilt. That's not what we're talking about. We may be very blunt in our conversations about these things because I think it's important to just be honest about it and not right. because they're honest conversations, but it's definitely a means to a greater life in the spirit. And ask the Lord, what is it, God? What's warring against the will of your will in my life? Right. Because we want to truly walk in freedom, not just pretend that we have freedom, but yet we're in bondage to all the flesh in our life. So good. I'd like to uh, pray us out here, but before I do that... I'd like to talk about the the dangers of trying to live without death. Mm. Like there's a promise here. There's an exchange yeah, right, of you right. know beauty for ashes, right? right? right. Um, you know, that, there's your reason. Yeah, Isaiah 61 was the Lord's sort of the entrance to His ministry was this great exchange. Mm-hmm. You give me this, and I'll give you this. Mm-hmm. You know, and that really is the process of death. You give up your life and I will give you life, but give it to you beyond what you can think, right? right? That that was Jesus's mantra. Right. Um, <laughs> wherever he taught life, he always taught death first. And most people didn't like it. By the end, obviously, they crucified him because they were like, listen, I, I am not going to eat your flesh or drink your blood because you are crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but that's essentially it is life, abundant life is preceded by that death. And that is that is reason enough alone. The other thing that I think is that when we talked about John chapter 12, when Jesus said, if you put a seed in the ground and it dies, it multiplies. Right. It remains a single seed while it's still alive. So when we live 
by building our own life without death and just sort of striving to live, we're singular. We impact our life and maybe the lives of a couple people that we directly physically impact. But when we die, we multiply because our ministry comes out of overflow of the well that's in us. And so if we have a deep well, we can overflow into generations, our children and our children's children, previous generations into our parents and things that we've had to deal with that they maybe are still in bondage to. We can be that bridge. So when we lay down, we become a bridge for other people that God puts in our lives. And then we can minister out of that. And we can say, listen, I have been there. I have died to it. I understand the process you're in. And I'm going to show you how to get to the one right. that promised this life to you. Right. Or for no other reasons, it can be done. <clears throat> Ask me how I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've come out the other side and I know you can too, right? This is where hope comes in. Because the scriptures say that when we go through something, when we suffer through, we can empathize with people because we know where they're at. This is why Jesus came and he's a great high priest. Because he can sympathize with where we're at in every way. Because he did it. He reached into the world and did it for himself so that he knew what we were going through. That's how death preceded life. And that's why he lives a resurrection life. Um, and, and it is the difference between, you know, singular and eternal legacy. When we leave a legacy in the world, we either leave it singular to whatever we built or we leave it eternally to what God built through us because we died. Right. right. Okay. So let's wrap this up for today. And I think the next conversation, what we want to do is switch over and talk about life after death, because we've talked for a couple conversations now about the concept of death. I think everybody gets it. <laughs> and maybe like how let's it pertains to life. Let's do four or five more. Right? Maybe yeah. they haven't. No, um, I'm totally- let's talk about life, right? What life, the abundance of that life looks like and how to walk in that life. So that's what we'll kind of pick up with next episode. But that for now, great. let's pray. Let's pray it out. Lord, we, we just thank you for this opportunity mm-hmm. to just share and, and put light on your scripture, what Paul has been talking about through through the scriptures, yeah. Christ, what you came for, what what your ministry was was all about mm-hmm. was that this great exchange. And yeah. so Lord, we just we thank you right now that we just have an opportunity to just dialogue about mm-hmm. that and, yeah. and and we just hope that these seeds that were planted um, do uh, produce fruit in, in people's mm-hmm. lives and it and it gives them an opportunity to ask questions yeah. you know we're, we're not here providing any answers we're, we're here to to really help people just yeah. uh, ask good questions yeah. Yeah. of you and mm-hmm. and to just dive in and dig and go on a journey yes. mm-hmm. and so Lord we just thank you Lord for for the journey that people are on and we thank yeah. you Lord for the courage to die mm-hmm. and to die quickly. Yes, yes, we thank Lord. you, Lord, that this process of death, we do have a little bit of control in that mm-hmm. as far as uh, mm-hmm. how quickly we want to die. And <laughs> Lord, I thank you, Lord, for giving us the courage and the tenacity yeah. to die to the things we need to die to, yeah. to die yeah. quickly mm-hmm. and to experience life. Yes. And yes. so, Lord, I just, mm-hmm. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for every single person that is listening to this i thank you lord and i just speak life into them now i encourage them in Mm -hmm. the spirit now they just go through the process whatever that is that they need to go through and uh lord we're we're grateful that Mm -hmm. you have left behind uh your truth so Mm -hmm. that no matter what 
culture is saying today, no matter how much mm-hmm. culture is changing mm-hmm. around us, mm-hmm. we can always go back. Your mm-hmm. word is timeless. Yeah. It is always pertinent for today. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. It's never irrelevant. It's never out of date. Mm-hmm. It's always good for right the mm-hmm. here and the now. And Lord, we just I thank you so much for that, that we always have that root, mm-hmm. that foundation of the word. Yeah. Whenever we get off a little bit or start questioning, we can, yeah. we just, what does the word mm-hmm. say? We just always can go back to that and it's always relevant yeah. Yeah. Uh, for whatever it is that we're going mm-hmm. through. And, and so Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for that for that foundation that you have left behind. We, I thank you, Lord, for just that you bless every listener mm-hmm. and we're thankful mm-hmm. for, for you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Nothing else to say more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and Lord, we just pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on the Occupy Freedom Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, www.occupy-freedom.com and subscribe so you'll never miss a show or an update. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate you sharing it with your friends and giving us a rating on your preferred podcast platform. For further resources, check out Rihanna's best-selling book, Polished and Concealed, on Amazon.com. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Occupy Freedom Podcast.